0: Welcome to the C3SYD Podcast. Our heart for you is that you would know Jesus, find community and discover purpose. To find out more about our church, head to our website at c3syd.church. We hope that this message encourages you today. Now, we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of worship at the end, but before we start, who's ready to hear the Word of God? want to just lift your hands out, not up, out, just like it's in receiving mode, receiving mode. Father in heaven, we thank You. We just posture our hearts and our hands representing that. And Lord, including me, Lord, I want to receive. We posture our lives, our minds, our thinking, our hearts, and everything that You are to us in a receiving mode. Help us. Unpack the Word of God so that it equips us, transforms us, changes us more into Your image and Your desire for our lives. Father, let Your presence fall. Let peace, like many said earlier, let peace come. That surpasses understanding. Let any troubledness, anxiety, or fear dissipate as Your peace replaces that and comes in. And brings the presence of God in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Can we give Jesus a huge hand and maybe a shout, youth? <laughs> I love that. I love that. You may be seated. Oh, thank you, Jules. Give that for Jules. <laughs> Thank you. All right, all right, here we go. We're in this series called Idols and Ideologies. Anybody enjoying that? I can't believe Pastor Al did a message last week on the idol of lust. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad he was doing that session uh, last week. I I, we're here Sunday night because... I was at Mossman last Sunday morning and Bernie was at Manly, but we came last Sunday night. By the way, there's great, the a move of God happening on Sunday nights, 6pm. But Pastor Al, he just nailed it and it was just so good and so practical. And we're doing this series, Idols and Ideologies. And this particular session today is on the idol of self. The idol of self. And we're going to unpack some things. Now, I just want to warn you we're going deep, dark, and depressing for the first 10, ten minutes. Is that all right? And now we're going to, we're going to shape the problem up. Because we've got to locate the problem. we are got to define the problem. But who knows that God has great answers, anyone? And in the Scriptures, we're going to find some answers to this problem, which is, which is good. I was talking to Bernie about this session and these series that we're work, where all of us are speaking on in the next few weeks. And, and she made a great statement. She said this, uh, All of this subject is under the gaze of a compassionate God who loves us. God is for us. This whole series is not to condemn us or to make us feel bad about all those horrible things in our world. No, this is to help us and to equip us and to get us out into a place of freedom and liberty because God made us. Who, uh, who's in agreement with that approach, right? And so I think this is super important. Now, this problem of idols, but, but more importantly, the, the, the specific one of this one, the idol of self, it's not just a cultural or historical problem. It's actually a human problem. It's something that we all face. It's something that we all have to, to figure out and try and sort of readjust in our world. I mean, the, I mean and also we're talking about things that, that aren't all negative. In fact, many of the things that can become idols are many of them are positive things good things that actually should stay in your life. It's not that, that we need to remove some of these things, it's just that we have to reposition them and, and put them in the place, that, the, the proper place that they, that they need to be in. I mean, I, I've, who's got passions? Who's got dreams? Who's got desires? Who enjoys certain things in life? Anyone? They're, they're great things. I know for me, I love surfing. I, lo- I, love, it, I love it, but I can't make it an idol. So, I've got to work regularly to keep that thing not at the center of my imagination, not at the center of my passion, God at the center, so that everything else is in its right order. By the way, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I wish I had a cool name. I hear these, ba- these child dedications, I'm like, anyway, it's just, I think it's just, <laughs> my, you know, what can you do with my name? Mark. And you know, it's like, awesome. Anyway, it's a good name. My parents gave me that name, it's great. But I've got a few names, Mark, Joseph, Peter, Kelsey. Good Catholic name, it's like a, like saints everywhere. <laughs> Shame I don't live up to it, but that's, that's good. And so, let's nail the problem. First John, chapter 5, verse 21. John, the apostle, it just says it straight out. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Like, just making that declaration, that admonition, we need to keep ourselves from these idols. Historically, humans looked outside of themselves for answers, for the gods of wood and stone. I mean, currently, some people look to the god of stone and wood. (laughs) That's a beer in Byron Bay. It's uh, just, anyway which I, I, I like, but I don't idolise. But, but people used to look outside to the gods of wood and stone, things, objects. But here's the thing, in the modern age, it's become far more subtle. What's happened now, John Calvin even, one of the early reformers said, our hearts are a factory of idols. Our hearts are a factory of idols, we create them. Martin Luther, the great reformer, says this, whatever your heart clings to and relies upon, that is your God. And Tim Keller, one of the great theologians of our day and pastor from New York said this, anything, if I say anything, so here's the deal, can be anything, anything that is more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give, that's an idol. This is crazy, anything. What that might be, influence, wealth, power, sexuality, spouse, friend, like I said before, even good things, even good things mispositioned can become an idol. Here's the deal, but there is one idol, one idol that the modern person is most enamoured with, that is the idol of self. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, said this. He describes it this way. Augustine vividly describes the, this condition as though we are curved inwardly on ourselves rather than outward for God and others. And that's the condition of the human heart. The moment self becomes the centre, it's like we are curved inward on ourselves, but we're not designed for that. We're actually designed to be curved outward, to worship God and to love others. And yet modern society has curved ourselves on ourselves. You realise in 2013, the Oxford Dictionary named the word selfie as the word of the year. 2013. I mean, who thinks? I mean, I think it's now become a decade of selfie. So instead of this, life has become about this. And it's like, like the whole world has been focused on, on self, what have you. Now, I, there's no problem with selfies. Selfies are good, and we've all probably done selfies. Although Paul Mackin in the first service said, I do selfies, I just don't do them of myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bizarre humour of Paul Mackin there. But, but it's like, that's become the posture, of the posture of humanity, is self-focused, self-aware, my image, and what have you. And I think, and there's nothing wrong with this, but I think maybe at times we've got to put this down and return to raising our hands and giving God glory and giving Him praise, which we're going to do later on. You may be familiar with a person who says something like this. That's enough of me talking about me. Now you talk about me. John Mark Comer, one of the great writers from Portland and Oregon says this, everything in our modern society is about self-fulfillment and not self-denial. There's been a shift towards that and that self is the new God. Self is the new God. It puts into perspective, I've taught for many years out of the scripture of 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that says this, the God of this age, little g, not big God, God, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel. Interesting, I was reflecting again on this scripture. but in light of what we're talking about this morning, if self is the God of this age, then self has blinded people towards the light of gospel. And if we put self out of the way and God back into the picture, clarity comes, light comes, and blessing comes, which is great. Uh, Adriel Sanchez said this so many people today worship, watch this, the mutable God of their own feelings, placing us at the center of worship. The BBC produced a documentary on the last hundred years of consumerism and called it The Century of Self the century of self and we are definitely living in a century of self it has become the new god even you know but, but apparently it's not a new problem apparently it's not a new problem Deuteronomy 12:8 it says everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes i mean sayings like which are common uh adages of the day it just feels right be true to yourself Follow your heart. I mean, how many movies have he made on that theme? And and look, there's nothing wrong. I mean, God wants your desires filled, He wants you to be you. But that that is not what drives us and is not what defines how we make decisions, etc., etc. Even Paul the Apostle warned Timothy of times that were to come in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, But mark this, I mean, this is strong language by Paul. In other words, mark this, like, like let me define something that's going to take place, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. I mean, you think he's going to say something about wars or famines. Here's what he says. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive. I love this one, disobedient to their parents right in the middle of this crazy stuff. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, if that doesn't define modern society, I don't really know what does. Incredible. Okay. John Marcoma calls this, he calls this approach, The it feels good, whatever is in my heart, that's what I'll do, he calls this the orthodoxy of the modern world. Whereas the concept of take up your cross is considered a heresy. And it's interesting how these things have been reversed. What was, what, what was actually is truth, which is take up your cross, actually is considered a heresy. And a new orthodoxy, a new theology has taken over from that. The negative consequences of placing self, though I, I know some of you look at me going, this is getting worse and worse and worse. Anyway, looking forward to the answer. <laughs> It's coming, it's coming, it's okay. I just got to paint, paint the worst possible picture. Don't worry, it's going to get worse for about 30 seconds. Okay, here's the deal. The negative consequences of placing self at the centre of our own lives are dire. It stimulates pride on the one hand and yet self-hatred on the other. But we're going to find out in a minute that one of the answers actually is humility because humility delivers us from pride but also del- delivers us from self-hatred. And God, we're not meant to live in either one of those extremes. When we are our own gods, life begins to disintegrate. When we are our own gods, life does not work. It actually begins to disintegrate. Augustine calls idolatry of self, disordered love. When God is not at the centre, everything then is out of order. We begin to place, for example, when Christ is not in the centre, something else is in. By the way, who thinks that career is a good thing? Career is good. Is family good? Yes, these are good things. But when career gets, is the centre, then, then, we, then our family suffers. So when Christ is not the centre, even good things begin to disorder everything else and everything then is out of order. Family's not in its right place. Friendships aren't in their right place. And we put self or career or something in the centre there and life begins to disintegrate. Who knows that God knows what's best, right? And then Paul the Apostle, just to really get some, really put the nail in the coffin to make it really bad. Romans chapter one, he just describes it, verse 25. They exchanged, everybody say exchange. So, this is what's happening in modern society. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. See, when that exchange happens, everything begets, then dismantles and is disintegrated from that point and just falls apart and worshipped, watch this, and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised, amen. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's bad enough. Verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. And then it just lists this thing, become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, they're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, like gossip. I mean, life begins to fall apart if we exchange God for a lie. But I know in Christ, that the the, the truth of God, the truth of Christ, the truth of His grace, the truth of who He is, he is and who we can be in Him. Once that's centred, everything else begins to work from that point. Praise God. Alright, so that's enough about the problem. Who would like to know some answers? Come on, give me an amen. Oh, there are three, I mean there are many answers, but I've, I've come up with three. Three answers from the Scriptures. Thank God that God has given us the Scripture because the Scripture is the truth and give us that truth. Number one, here's the answer number one, acknowledge that God's ways are better. Something simple, acknowledge that God's ways are better. Check this scripture out in Isaiah 55. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and He'll have mercy on them and to our God for He will freely pardon. Check this out. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are higher. God's ways are better. Who knows that God knows best? Some of you may have watched a show in the 50s called Father Knows Best, but I think God knows best. God knows best. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. If we begin by just acknowledging He is the one that knows. And as He knows, number one. Okay, number two, the answer to self-focused idolatry, like I said before, is humility. Humility, the humble spirit. Humility is a powerful thing that we don't talk about enough. And I think there is a return of teaching on humility. Humility, I think, actually, in many ways, defines the Christian life and the Jesus way. Humility defines the Christian life and the Jesus way. Check this out. The Gospel lifts our eyes from ourself to our Saviour. He laid down His life and His example for us to do the same, breaking the idol of self. Isn't it crazy that Jesus actually had the right to self-idolise? He was God. If anybody could have put himself at the centre, he, he could have, because he was God and he didn't. And as an example of us, of how we should live. And of course, we, we read that famous scripture, Philippians chapter 2. Verse five to eight says, in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I mean, that's pretty high calling. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Imagine if you were God. (laughs) First of all, God help us. (laughs) Although that won't work because you're God. But anyway, imagine if you were God And you knew your status and you decided, I'm not using that status to my own advantage. But rather, he says rather. Everybody say rather. Rather. See, we have to discover our rather. Every one of us have to discover our rather. Rather, he made himself nothing. See, it's only when you know who you are in Christ that you can make yourself nothing. Humility goes. I don't need. Humility goes. I accept who I am in God. I accept that I'm loved, accepted, believed in. I'm born of God. So therefore, in any circumstance, you can make yourself less than what that is by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Oh my gosh, humility attracts the grace of God. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. God, humility attracts God's life, God's hope, God's strength, God's grace. Humility is a very powerful thing. Humility dethrones us off that and begins to look to God and to others. Hey, here's the deal. Humility actually achieves the very thing that pride is wanting. Humility actually achieves the very thing that pride is wanting. How do I know that? Well, Matthew 23, it says, for... Though, this is Jesus speaking. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. God's plan for you, God's desire for you that actually He exalts you, that He lifts you up. Isn't that good news? His desire, His plan for you, but the, the pathway to it is not through pride. The pathway to it is humility. Says so as we dethrone us, God says, yeah, I wanna lift you up. But here's the access point. Here's the highway to that, which is great. I think God deserves a hand. He knows what He's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. All right. Just a few minutes left. Okay, the third thing, third one, and probably the the clincher, the thing that really makes the difference. The answer is the cross. The third answer, the answer is the cross. Here's my little summary of that. A dead person can't be idolised. A dead person can't be idolised. If you are dead, you can't self-idolise. The key in the Christianity, and this is the mystery of Christ, the mystery of Christianity, the mystery of, of the Gospel is that Christ died. The unflowing mystery of that is we too die. And if you're dead, you can't idolise yourself. How crazy is that? Oh my God, it is the, the key to those dots. So the key is us losing our life, but in losing it, we actually discover it. This great passage of Scripture where Peter Jesus is talking to the disciples. He asked the disciples, who do people say I am? He wasn't saying that. He wasn't asking that question out of insecurity. He wanted to see if, they, if their eyes were open to, the, to, to who he was. And Peter said, you know the story, you are the Christ, the Son, the living God. Then afterwards, Jesus began to explain to them that he must go to Jerusalem Suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and must be killed and the third day be raised to life. Then it says in the Scriptures, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. I find that fascinating that Peter had the audacity. Imagine t- taking the Messiah aside like, Jesus, come here, let me take you aside. And he didn't say, hey, chatted to him, talked to him or appealed to him. He says he took him aside and he says, rebuked the Messiah. Who knows that that is not gonna end well. That is not gonna end well. And, Peter, and rebuked him, pulled him aside and said this to him. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. And then Jesus later on, in response to that, said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus just begins to lay the principle out and said, here it is, Here's, here's the secret to life. And the whole sort of denying self and take up the cross, there it is. I spoke to someone recently and they, they thought for years that taking up the cross means that you've got to carry a burden for your whole life. No, 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 It's a gift to us that God has given us the access to the cross. And in certain moments, you know, does it happen once in your Christian life? No, no. Does it happen yearly? Yeah. Daily? Hourly there's a decision. No, did I self take up the cross? Did I self-take up the cross? And then God gives you power, grace, and anointing, and the ability to go through, and then you become more Christ-like, which is amazing. Does he want to squash your desires and you know disregard your passions? No, so you just, just get the thing, get it recentered and repositioned accordingly, which is awesome. Okay, so the question is: what dies? I mean, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. And later on in Colossians, for you died and your life is now hidden with God in Christ. So he died, we died, what's dead? I mean, Paul, when he wrote that, wasn't dead. But he said, I've been crucified with Christ. So what dies? Our soul? No. You? No. But here's what dies. John Mark Comer believes three things die. Our deceptive ideas that play in our head. Who's ever had a few of those? our disordered desires in our heart and behaviours that are normalised in our sinful society. They're the things that begin to die in our world and then suddenly the new life in you, the new nature in you, the new version of you begins to get resurrected and alive. And of course, to finish on this scripture, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in verse 5, Colossians Chapter three, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature and then down towards the end, verse 10, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Suddenly that new self is what you adhere to and strengthen to and attach to that old self, that that battle of that old nature versus that new nature. The only access point is the cross. As we live in that place of humility, what is humility? Dependence on God dependence on God. Who here is dependent on God? I am desperately dependent on Him. Before I get up to speak this morning, 20 minutes ago, I'm like, God, I can't do this. I am so desperately dependent on You. I don't want people hearing from me. I want people hearing from You. Oh God, what a, we, our dependence on Him is so vital. But here's the deal. We're going to finish in a minute. What is, it? what is the, how do we get access to this? What is the gift that God has given us to realize? Do we need to get rid of things? Do we need to stop doing certain things? Do we need to do we need to need banish sin out of our life? Well, here's the deal. God says, no, don't worry about that. Don't, that's not the focus. Just focus on me. Let your gaze set your minds. Lift your eyes. Everything in the Scripture is all about lift. See, the devil's a downer. The devil is a down. The devil's always down and always D words, discouraging, depressing, distressing. That's the devil. But God is all about lift. The Bible says, lift up your eyes, lift up your mind, lift up your gaze, lift up your hands, lift up your voice. It's always about the lift. As we lift our eyes, particularly in worship, watch this. God suddenly becomes re-enthroned on, the, on our heart. The Bible says that He is enthroned on the praises of His people. The moment we begin to praise, praise and worship are a gift. They're a gift because what do we do? We do it daily, we do it weekly. As we worship again, all it does is take us off the throne and puts Christ back on the throne. And then all the order, all the other things begin to come into play again. And we're reminded who's number one in our lives. Then He reorders everything else. How good is God? come on, let's stand to our feet and we're gonna worship. We're gonna worship. But before we we start that, I want us to worship from a new perspective. I don't want just to worship like, oh yeah, I got my hands raised, I'm singing this song again. I want you to imagine Christ again coming onto that throne of your heart and realigning your heart again with what's important. You watch as you begin to do that, even daily. As you maybe get up tomorrow morning, why don't you do it again? Why don't you lift your hands in your living room tomorrow morning and worship Him as God. Watch what begins to happen. He will empower you with fresh grace. He will empower you with the presence of God. Just as we're here, I know there are some guests here this morning and Phil don't, feel any, don't feel any pressure to do this, but I want us to close our eyes. Just close our eyes. And, that, and if you feel comfortable, just lift your hands right now. Come on, lift your hands right up, right up. Come on, let's enthrine. Absolutely lifting your hands. Fresh enthronement is happening. Fresh enthronement is happening. Thank you for listening to the C3 SYD podcast. To make sure you don't miss out on our next podcast, click subscribe. If you want to find out more about following Jesus, get connected or find a C3 SYD location near you, head to c3syd.church forward slash connect with us don't forget you can find us on YouTube and Instagram at c3.syd. We look forward to having you back soon.